Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by GoToMeeting, the best way to hold meetings over the Internet. Reduce travel expenses. Save time. Just hold an online meeting with GoToMeeting. Try it free. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash tech stuff. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Bullett. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. And next to me, as usual, is our senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, everyone. Actually, I probably shouldn't have revealed that. Oh, yeah. You've, you violated my privacy. Yeah. Yeah. But I violated my own first, so I guess it's okay. Right. And and we're online, so we're talking about online privacy. Yes, that's Hey, true. you know what? That segues right into what we were going to talk about today, right? <laughs> Funny that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we we're going to talk about what is your greatest threat to your to your privacy online. Uh, and clowns? <laughs> no, that that's just your the greatest threat to your sanity, <laughs> online or otherwise. Right. Um no, we're we're talking about actually Two big contenders. So, uh, if, if, if you'll just, uh, permit me a little, a little, uh, uh, net cast magic. Do we, do we need to, uh, ring the, here the we bell? go. Here we go. <clears throat> and this corner, we have weighing in at who knows how much internet service providers. 
And their opponent in the other corner, in the red trunks, we've got Google. Yeah, those, those are the two big ones. Wouldn't they be the, like the red and yellow and green and blue trunks? Well, yeah, pretty much. I but I just didn't. I kind of wanted to cut it short. Okay. All right. I know people don't I like the hokey it. stuff so much as I do. But. Okay. So yeah, those are the two big ones. I think uh, most people agree that the two major potential uh, threats to your online privacy are you, uh, your internet service provider or internet service providers in general, and um, and Google and other advertising uh, agencies online as well. So not just Google. It could be Yahoo or it could somebody be, else who's sending um, DoubleClick. But really, yeah, DoubleClick is a big one. But uh, but since Google is kind of the, um, the dominant uh, web advertising company out there right now, I mean, when we think Google, we think search. Uh, right. Well, you and I might not just think search because we work on so many other projects that involve Google. Right. But in general, you think Google search. But uh, what companies often think is Google AdSense, right. AdWords. I mean, it's this online advertising that's related to search that is a, a very powerful uh, tool mm-hmm. in the advertising world. Um, but it has some pretty serious implications as to the, the average user's privacy. True. So – And if you uh, if you are one of those who only thinks of Google as search and you use something like Gmail – uh, if you look to the right of your screen, to the right of your email, you'll see ads. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's pretty much the you know, same can be said for a lot of their services. Right, it's, yeah. It, you know, they're text, so they don't, you know, capture your eye always, but, uh, you know, they're there. Yeah, and and here's where the privacy thing comes in. Uh, right. Google can track where you go, uh, especially when you're using search. They can see what you're searching. To, if you're using Google Chrome, they can check. Pretty much everything you're doing. Including everything you type into the uh, Omnibar. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how the Omnibar knows what you're doing, right? I mean, it, other, it would, otherwise it's just magic and we don't cover that in this podcast. <laughs> we just concentrate on the science and tech. So you've got Google where they're, they're tracking where you're going and it's not necessarily for some sort of, you know, nefarious purpose, but but it is a concern. I mean, it, and it, what it allows advertisers to do is, or actually Google itself to do is to target you for very specific advertising. So let's say if you are like me, um, then you may go to a lot of movie related websites. It happens to be one of the things I like to check out on almost a daily basis. So I tend to go to a lot of, um, not just the internet uh, movie database, but things like Chud and Ain't It Cool News and, Dark Horizons and all these other movie news sites because I'm a movie news junkie. Well, if Google's checking that out, then they can start targeting ads to me that specifically relate back to my my apparent uh, love of movies. So it might be things like uh, ads for certain DVDs or or even movie clubs or whatever. And this, again, doesn't necessarily sound nefarious, uh, but it does mean that what they're doing is they're looking at my behavior and they're they're targeting me. Because of that, so there that raises some warning flags, right? Well, that's true. I mean, if you've ever been one of those people who looks up at the uh, the banner ad at the top of the screen and go, "Wait a minute, that's for something in my town. How does it know where I am?" Right. Well, they can they can tell from your uh, internet protocol address. They can tell a lot of things about you simply by you know just you're using the internet from where where the uh, because it has to send traffic back to you so they know where you are essentially right. just by being there and and Google 
tries to frame this as a good thing in that what they're doing is they're, they're tailoring your search results so that they're more relevant to you. And that sounds great. I mean, I love the idea of if I'm going to search for something, it's going to really bring back the things that I most likely really want to see. But that also means that Google knows more about me than most of my close friends. I mean, and, and there comes a point where you say, well, what happens if they start to use this information in other ways? Uh, the whole issue about the, the putting your, your medical records up online. I mean, that's a, that's got a, a big can of worms there. What happens if an insurance company gets to access your medical records, sees that you have some sort of, uh, family history of something and then decides to hike up your rates because of it or drop your coverage because of it? Um, I mean, these are just, some of many privacy issues that that you really have to think about. Uh, and the Internet has just kind of made this a whole new problem. You know, I mean, it's it's a huge issue that isn't easily tackled. Yeah, that that's true. Um, other search engines have tried to to do that. Ask dot com, in fact, um, not too long ago, I guess a few months ago now, uh, offered a way to erase your tracks um, as you search. That's that's sort of a help. You could go into your web browser and clear your your cookies out, uh, which will help. Those are basically cookies are, are basically little pieces of text that are stored on your computer that that help um, advertisers and websites track where people are going. Um, for example, if you went to the New York Times website, they would want to know if you were going to the Washington Post, the LA Times, CNN to look at other uh, companies. They might want to know if you shop on Amazon.com. You know, th- those kinds of informations uh, get sent back to uh, the New York Times or whomever it is that, that's putting that cookie on your computer. So you can you can kind of do, or, you know, erase your own tracks of your web browser. Um, and uh, Google Chrome, their browser, and uh, the new version of Internet Explorer are offering uh, offering a sort of a privacy shroud so that you're searching in uh, anonymously, at right. least theoretically so. Right, they, they, um, so they claim. Yeah, so and, that you can sort you of know. mask what you're doing. Um, it's it's similar, I guess, in a way to uh, Tor. To which is a uh, um, sort of a it's kind of hard to explain it. It redirects your cert, your traffic, your web traffic through servers in other parts of the world to sort of hide your tracks. Um, so you know those things are are things that you can do uh, to do that. But uh, you know the question is, are the sites able to track you from that information? And, right. And in general, cookies don't really let sites track everything you do. Um, cookies mainly allow a website to, to see how often you visit, um, and it allows you to store certain information on your computer that makes it easier to load up a page. Um, they're not really used to track everywhere you go, although there's a caveat to this. Um, services like DoubleClick, which is an, a web advertising service, uh, they have ads all over the net. And if you get a cookie for a double-click ad on one site and then you go to a different site that also has double-click, then theoretically double-click can see both of those sites that you visited and they can actually start to piece together information uh, about a user, you know, kind of profile a user based on the multiple visits. Um, whether or not they bother to do that is another question because you have to remember – uh, not everyone's using the exact same computer all the time. Uh, like if you're talking about, say, a computer in a, a, a computer lab, like a library or something, 
you have multiple users all using that computer. You can't really build a comprehensive profile on someone if it's really, you know, a hundred different individuals who are using that computer throughout the course of a week. So, uh, so cookie tracking, I mean, you, it is a good idea to clear out your cookies regularly. Um, if you want to try and protect your online privacy, uh, it's probably not the most important factor to take into consideration, but it's definitely something that you have control over yourself. So that's a, that's a positive. And if nothing else, there's nothing worse than stale cookies. Right. Let's, let's move on to internet service providers. Um, this is kind of a, just really quickly. I mean, we'll, we'll, there's several things we need to touch on in this discussion, but we've already, we've already kind of bashed Google a lot. And, uh, and I, like I like to say, I'm, I for one welcome our Google overlords. But, <laughs> well, uh, the reason, the reason we, uh, sort of pick on Google is simply because they are, uh, somebody that you will be familiar with as a listener. And, uh, I mean, certainly, um, but, uh, also because they are so involved in the advertising world, um, <laughs> and the whole, the whole and, do no uh, evil Yahoo thing and, helps too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just big enough so that, uh, you know, they are able to offer a lot of advertising and a lot of search, uh, and a lot of different kinds of products that you will be interested in. But basically it's, it's anybody of that size right. that offers those services to you. Right. Um, you know, toolbars that you plug into your browser. Uh, basically they, these things are all ways for them to help. Uh, get more demographic information for their subscribers. So it's not just Google. So, no, you know. no. That's just the easiest target in that bunch. Right. But for internet service providers, um, recently, there are a lot of those. Right. There are a lot of those. Uh, recently, an associate professor of law at Colorado Law School, um, uh, named Paul Ohm mentioned, uh, that he believed, he actually published, I think, a 70 page, something page, uh, document on the issue that he believed that internet service providers, uh, constituted the greatest threat to our online privacy. And um, it's because they can see everything that we're doing uh, because technologies now exist that allow ISPs to do deep packet inspections on their users. Deep packet inspections. <laughs> it's pretty creepy stuff, actually. Uh, so they can really take a good look at what you're doing, uh, where, where you're going online, um, and... And technically, you would call it spying. They could spy on you. Now, do they? Well, that's another matter. The the point is that they have that capability at this point. Yeah. Now, um, for the uninitiated, a packet is the way that information gets sent around the Internet. Uh, it may not seem like that to you, but in the background, uh, to send information on the Internet, a computer requests uh, something from another computer and that computer sends it back. Now, how does it do that? Well, it breaks it into lots and lots of tiny pieces. Um, think Mike TV on Willy Wonka, if you will, but lots of little chunks of information called packets. And the, uh, the computers send that information to one another on various different pieces of the internet. Um, so that, you know, if it finds that one computer in between is down, it can reroute the traffic to another computer. And that's how, you know, stuff gets from point A to point B and back to point A on the Internet. Right. Well, deep packet inspection, we're talking about the Internet service provider's ability to look at those chunks of information. And this, you know, can be anything that you send, uh, any keystroke, um, any password. Right. Emails, anything that that's stuff. going across the Internet, they can take a look at and and uh, if they really wanted to. Um, and there are 
many reasons they might do this. Uh, one being, again, kind of uh, selling information to advertisers so that advertisers can target consumers. So sort of the same thing Google's doing in that sense. And uh, the question is whether the ISPs view advertising as a major source of revenue or if they consider it themselves just to be internet service providers, like they're just selling access to the internet. Um, uh, that's true. I mean, in, in March 2007, uh, uh, Compete Incorporated uh, Chief Technology Officer um, David Cancel said that ISPs are selling their click streams, uh, your customers' click streams to uh, different people for revenue. So, right. you know, so, I know so, of so course so it may depend on your internet service provider. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there are, <laughs> there are hundreds of ISPs out there and of all different sizes. So it's, we can't really paint them all with the same brush, but the point is that they have the capability, whether or not they have the motivation is another matter, I guess. <laughs> well, they do have other reasons for doing that. Sure. Deep, deep packet inspection allows an ISP to see, um, where traffic is coming from. They can kind of get an idea. Uh, they, ISPs can monitor the system traffic. And if all of a sudden there's a big spike in traffic coming from one place, they might, you know, take a look at the, the packets to see what's going on. And if they, it turns out that, uh, someone has gotten a, um, you know, downloaded a Trojan horse and their computer is now part of a botnet and is sending out spam, uh, as they part can, of a denial right. of service attack, they can shut it down. Right. So there is, there's a good reason to do it. They can, they can tell exactly what, uh, what program is used to do that. Um, so, you know, if you are downloading torrents, yeah, actually, uh, that's might one of be the, aware of that. That's one of the issues that Professor Ohm was was talking about. He said uh, about things like organizations like the MPAA or the RIAA. Uh, that would be the Motion Pictures Association of America and the good old record industry, right? Yep. So yeah, these guys uh, they they have a vested interest in making sure that that their that intellectual property isn't being freely distributed across the internet without you know the the actual. Uh, Without people actually buying it. So right. they're, they, they've been known to put pressure on ISPs to look into that sort of thing. Um, actually they've been known to put pressure on just about everybody. They're kind of like the, uh, the mafia of the, uh, corporate world in, in the United States at any rate. So they've, they've put pressure, both political pressure and, and corporate pressure on these kind of organizations, um, to try and detect this, this, Digital theft essentially is what it is and to cut it off at the source. Um, so that constitutes a, a privacy concern. Um, and of course, there's always the concern that the government could put pressure on ISPs to reveal information about users. Um, and, you know, they may have reasons that sound perfectly legitimate, like trying to battle terrorism, but it still means that they're violating your privacy, which is one of those things that the Supreme Court said ages and ages and ages ago was something that we pretty much have a right to. We have the right to be let alone. What, against uh, unreasonable search? Unreasonable search and seizure being a big one. That would be the Fourth Amendment to that the United the States, as I recall. Yes. That would be right there. Well, it's funny that you should mention the government because an article in Wired on August 15th, uh, AT&T – said that Google was uh, more troublesome than their uh, their program to install eavesdropping equipment on their network. Wow. Um, yeah, they said uh, Google's advertising is much more serious than anything that, that we would do in the eavesdropping network. Now, of course, 
uh, AT&T is the, uh, the target of a class action lawsuit for helping the NSA and wiretapping, warrantless wiretapping issues. So, so yeah, you guys have you can take it with a grain of salt. Um, and, uh, in, um, in August 2008, it turns out everyone's getting on the, uh, Google's worse than we are bandwagon. And this is not an ISP, but Microsoft said that, uh, they're actually the Peter Cullen, the chief privacy strategist said that, um, Google's privacy standards are not up to par. They may be seven to 10 years behind Microsoft's own, uh, according to an article in ZDNet wow. Australia. So, um, and, and, that, so. and just in case you guys think that we in the United States have it rough, assuming that, you know, for those of, for those of you listeners who are in the U.S. and you're like, wow, this is really tough. Keep in mind, in June of this year, over in Sweden, Swedish parliament passed a law, a very controversial law, that allows a government organization to monitor and intercept all uh, online traffic that crosses the Swedish border. So anything that's going across the border, this this agency can intercept and read and track back to whomever sent it or received it. And there's also the fear that perhaps this agency may even expand its uh, capabilities beyond that and be able to monitor all traffic within Sweden, whether it crosses the border or not. So it's it's rough here. It could be worse. The important thing is to keep an eye on it to make sure it doesn't get worse. That's true. And... The other thing to uh, to remember as far as your privacy goes online is uh, people don't really have time to read all this stuff. Right. <laughs> so honestly, you know, before you turn off the computer and, and, you know, throw it away and, you know, freak out because your privacy is being violated, it's probably not. Unless somebody has real reason to, uh, you know, people at ISPs and, and search engines and advertising companies, they really don't have time to look at your personal information. They're more interested, <laughs> they're more interested in you and as a number. Right. Um, than as, as a person in your personal info. So, uh, you're probably not, uh, seriously under suspicion and the, there's no, not no call their email. To, to jump off the grid yet. No, but, uh, don't forget basically anything you do can be looked at. So, you know, if you are concerned about something that might be forwarded or intercepted and might be embarrassing to you, maybe you're better off leaving it offline. Right. And if you're interested in organizations that uh, that are very much focused on this issue, uh, I recommend visiting either the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, which has some uh, good information on this subject, or the Electronic Privacy Information Center, also known as EPIC. Yep. Uh, both of those have a lot of articles and documents on this reports. Um, if you feel like you need to get involved, they have uh, information where you can look into doing that as well. So um, it's really up to you. It's better to, I think, better to be informed than not. <laughs> it's true. Just sure. in general. Well, I guess that, that pretty much wraps up our, our cheerful conversation on online privacy. Um, as to who's worse, Google or the ISPs, I think time will tell. Right now, it looks like Google's in the lead, but uh, ISPs seem to have a, a pretty good potential for, um, for mass chaos down the road. So uh, cheer up. The world's about to end, right? Oh, yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, I'll tell you about a special place special place that one might think only exists in fairy tales, but in fact is reality. This podcast is brought to you by GoToMeeting, the web-based tool that lets you hold instant online meetings from your office, conference room, or home office 
with people anywhere in the world. So you can do more and travel less, which means you can save money and make more money. Try GoToMeeting free. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash stuff. Okay, so what is this special place? Well, this special place would be the headquarters of Google, the Googleplex. And what makes it so special? Well, it's it's got some pretty amazing amenities. Uh, Although fewer of them than before. Fewer than before, but still <laughs> pretty pretty amazing. So yeah, Google might be violating your privacy, but they're letting their their employees swim in in infinity pools. So <laughs> and f- some free food. Some free food. So if you want to learn all about Googleplex and see where these evil geniuses work, you can read How the Googleplex Works. That's by, hey, it's by me, (laughs) Jonathan Strickland. And that's live at HowStuffWorks.com right now. We'll talk to you again really soon. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, With SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.